What's up, Movie Showdown fans? Welcome to the Showdown Rundown, the official show of the Movie Trivia Showdown, and the only show that matters. My name is Brad Gilbert. You might know me by another name. Oh my God, you're my three boat for sure. You're a slacker, Brad. You might know me as the boat, and I am joined, as always, by Frank Janish. Sexy numbers. Sexy. From a sexy player. So sexy. I love those numbers. Sexy numbers. I love I hate those numbers. I'm feeling game. really good about those. Oh, I'm feeling those numbers. Feel it. Feel it. Is that all you have to say? Feel it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Feel it. Feel the rhythm. Feel it. Feel the rhyme. Feel it's it. rundown time. Yeah. Felix. Yeah. Feel it. Hey, where you been? What do you mean? Where you, where you been? I talked to you last week. Yeah, but we had a huge, huge event go down, and then you were nowhere to be found. There was an event? Yeah. What it's happened? A collision? You ever hear of it, Brad? Oh, yes. I've only heard of Schmodown Collusion. Wow. Okay. Something that we do all the time behind the scenes. We're colluders. Wow. Schmodown's definitely coming for you for just for that remark. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man. No, dude, the uh, collision was obviously awesome. I hate that I wasn't here to break it down with everybody, um, um, you know, right after it happened. But I did get to watch it. I was in Miami. You know, you've heard of that town, right? Yeah. Maybe Miami. you've heard of it from. Uh, you've heard of it from the Will Smith song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's what's your what's yeah. your favorite Will Smith song? It might be. It actually, I think it I is. I think it might be Miami. Miami. <laughs> Welcome to Miami. Yeah. Also, I mean, he does a good rendition of just the two of us. Uh, it is good. I did enjoy that. I did from uh, yeah, yeah. So, but um, but anyway, show was great. Yeah, show was great from top to bottom. Um, I didn't predict anything, right? <laughs> no, you did not. And then you got roasted for it. I got roasted. You mean you mean some J Brown posted a comment and on Facebook? I like to embellish for the for the for the audio listeners. They don't they don't know. You know what? I'm willing. I forgot the guy's name, but I did see the comment. I'm willing to make a bet with this person if he hears this, and if you can remind me who you are. Um, I I will bet that I my accuracy rating for predicting winners for the remainder of the year will be higher than his. Who's gonna do all that work? Keep track. No one. Well, I mean, look, I will bet him fifty dollars. Should I up it? Hundred? Yeah, yeah, $200. No, 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 I didn't say 200 $100. I will do $100, I promise you. And I will have a better prediction. I doubt it, but, it, you know. Look, people don't know. Because here's, here's what's going to happen. Like, Tell I'm going to make predictions, and yes. then you're going to want to go against those predictions, and they're going to be the wrong ones. Well, so wouldn't it be boring? Lose. Wouldn't it be boring if we agreed all the time? A hundred percent, and that's why I don't even like this idea to begin with. Because you're going to lose. I'm not going to lose. Okay. Anyway, we have a great show. We have a great show. But uh, I will say that team's match at Collision, bonkers, loved it, had me on the edge of my literal plane seat. I was literally on on a plane, and I was at the edge of it. Now, they're not big seats to begin with on Southwest Airlines. I don't know if you all know that. But uh, I was at the edge of that seat, even more so than I would have been naturally. And that's saying something. Okay. It's a great match. Great match. <laughs> yeah, it was a phenomenal match. When I think it's probably it might be one of my top favorite collision matches of all time. It's it's right up there with the triple threat match, uh, Merle, Riley, and Roca. It's right up there in terms of what I one of my favorite ones to watch. It was incredible, especially being there in person, watching that all go down. Oof, it was it was a time. It was. I you know I hate that I missed it. Now, are you going to be in New York? Uh, I'm trying to. That's the plan. That's the plan. Because I think I might be, I might we'll do it. We'll see. You want to bunk together? We should. We should. You want to? I don't. I mean, Sh- okay. Share a queen. <laughs> no. Okay. It's all I right. Mean, which it depends what side of the bed you need. Then that's that's where I. I mean, know. we can head to toe it if it makes you feel better. <laughs> I mean, everything still lines up, but nevertheless. Never um, is. great event. If you didn't see the the recap that went live afterward, I think uh, one of our best performing shows in recent months. Um, go ahead and check that out on YouTube. Jeremiah Fuentes, are we going to have another five-hour rundown like last week? <laughs> no, no, we are no, not. No, 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 no. We are not. We are not. Uh, but we have, to me, when, when you come into the movie trivia showdown, there's a great community of people. I think we've talked about that endlessly. I mean, an insane amount of people, and they're they're 
though few people like our guest today. Our guest today in the times that I've interacted with him is beaming with positivity, is one of the coolest cats you will ever see in shape like a mofo. That <laughs> is an abbreviation that I can't say in its totality on this channel. He is undoubtedly one of the best people in this game today. He is the one and only Koi Gentry. What's up, Koi? Koi is here. How's it going, guys? What's up, man? I, I love being on this show. I'm very excited. Also, uh, for the record, getting jiggy with it, uh, Debutta. Um, I'd yep. say Miami's in there. Uh, summertime? Freaking it. Oh, summertime. summertime's a great one. Yeah, uh, yeah. Switch wasn't bad for that era. Like, it was in that tricky transitional okay. era where we were, we were leaving Trap, and we hadn't yet influenced <laughs> the, like, reggaeton style, hadn't settled in. Somebody was experimenting. Uh, but LL came back right after that with that insane album that mixed Will Smith's influence with the modern hip-hop. Uh, but I would say switch of the time. But overall, I'd say get jiggy with it or uh, just the two of us. I think you are pressing is... all the right buttons for Mr. Brad Gilmer right now. First of all, <laughs> I, I love it. I, I can see his face. Look at his no, face. No, no, no. I just love that he said with it and not with it, which is which is great. But the other There's thing no is no H this. in that song. There is no H. <laughs> but do you remember when he was Fresh Prince? The girls of the world are nothing but trouble. Do you remember his Nightmare on Elm Street track? Of course. Come the on, who are you talking to? The creation of the plot before he started <laughs> yeah. doing movies, he prophesized his own career where he's like, I'm going to make a song about a movie. And then he went on to be the guy that did that. But Come on. Let's, not talk, let's not talk about Wild Wild West. I mean, it's a decent song. The third act of the movie almost negates how decent the song is. But you can't ever, like, have a negativity around Cisco doing the hook. Like, Cisco was that good back man, That was Drew Hill. Drew yeah. Hill. Yeah. Drew Hill doing the hook on Wild Wild West almost makes up for the big spider. Almost. It's Stevie like Wonder interpol Damn. interpolation. Anyway, we could go on incredible. for <laughs> incredible days about Will Smith. We could, we could, we could do it. We could That's do it. the only song you can play at any karaoke bar in any hood and as a white person not get like called out. Like <laughs> Will Smith is the the gateway between 90s hip hop and 2000s hip hop for all ages and races. Real sweet faces. You know, every single nation. I think that's a keen observation there, Coy. I think, I think, and then Childish Gambino did a really beautiful thing that's where true. he brought us like the other side of Dave. I feel like Dave and Childish come together are Will Smith. I feel like Will Smith ah. split into two, gave us Dave. You and need Childish. to give a TED talk, Coy. You I really got a do. lot of thoughts. Also, Will Smith, <laughs> Will Smith, what he was approaching was the 80s uh, hubris and extravagance leading into the fallout in the 90s was his music was basically the extravagance going into fatherhood, whereas Childish and Dave are dealing with the internet explosion of us all becoming fathers to our own separate entities of our screen names like we've all fathered these other personas and dave and childish approach those things whereas will approaches the reality of the fall from grace of america <laughs> of all the things i thought we would we would get into <laughs> this is i am I blown away i'm blown away in a good way because the That's internet versus Will 2K. So Will 2K was dealing with the oh. tech fallout from a very yeah. abstract, I'm an actor, I'm a movie star. But he's got some actual like concerns about the way the world's going with like freaking it, debutta, those like sidetracks. And then you look at Because the Internet, which is Childish Gambino going from I'm a star of community trying to figure out who I am as a rapper while having an existential crisis. He's dealing with it in the age of the internet, whereas Will Smith was dealing with it in the age before the internet. There's a lot of symmetry there. Oh, man. I will never no, look at music you the don't same want way. Not a, another this, <laughs> another running this. Buffalo, Buffalo soldier, look, it's like, like I told you. Be out of that dress, which you beat Jim West. Okay, there we oh, go, Coy Andrew. There we are. We are off and running. Round of applause for everybody today. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> this is that's how you start a show. Coy, you you're all smiles not because we are singing Will Smith songs, maybe partially, but you've been. You've been getting some dubs lately, man. 56 points. First place. Well, there's negative an two to number or, one. Or as I like to call it, top two, but not two. <laughs> exactly. I don't mm -hmm. think in the history of the Schmodown, anyone's got negative one. We doubled that, went negative two. And then yeah, to top that off, right. we went from negative two to number one in a four-month window. So I don't think one, that'll ever be replicated. That, that climb and... I didn't sacrifice any of my integrity with dropping players, with disrespecting play. I guarantee anyone else is a negative two, they get rid of some people. I had more negatives than anyone else. I think we're at seven. 
maybe six. Six, uh, I think it's six. Points. Yeah. Wow. And I would stand by any one of my players playing tomorrow. Uh, because if you look at my players, there isn't a single one that didn't improve. And that's all I was looking for. I, I stand by my win or learn. There isn't a single player won or lost that didn't grow from their last match. And I think this most recent match the Mercs had shows that better than any. Like that 20 points against uh, that, that force of nature that Jesse played was, well, you know, everyone yeah. got better. So I'm really proud of everybody. No one's, no one's leaving. Let me let me uh, let the people know where exactly we are at right now. This is after the Yanni Blunden match, and uh, the Mercs do have 56 points at this juncture. The Dungeon with 50 points, Finsock Exchange with 40, Corruption 36, and the Suspects right there with 35. They'll have an opportunity for a possible 10 points come tomorrow uh, with Paige and Irwin having their matches. So could they jump up a couple spots? Uh, prop. Possibly into third place there if they do uh, what they need to do. But Koi, you, your guys, your group is up at fifty-six points. You were, you just said you were at negative two, negative two <laughs> to get to fifty-six points. I'm, I'm, it's the 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 way t title matches are now calibrated uh, with point wise uh, is huge. I think for for your guys' rise, but also people have agreed that we needed title matches to be worth more points when you have Demolanta racking up three title match wins, you know, two defenses, Shazam, title match win, and a defense. I mean, those points stack up really, really quick, and now here you are into tournament season. Bibbs gets a win. Uh, Jesse played really great, wasn't able to pull it out against Robert Parker, who's also just playing out of his mind. But Jesse Swift put a, his best performance to date, and I think, you know, you're talking about it, you know, players getting better and better and better. Jesse Swift has definitely done that from match one to his third match here today. Uh, can you talk to us about Jesse and, and what it's been like to watch him progress and put in the work? So uh, I do want to say we're at 56, and if we somehow had no take TKOs, we'd be at 62, but I would rather be at 56 than 62 and have a different team. And Jesse is a huge part of that. That negative one was so earned. The dude played in the first ever match of the year, a rookie out of nowhere, hadn't played professional Schmodown, came out and gave it his best, and it just wasn't enough that day. But he took... Amaru far and we've seen Amaru play this year so the fact that my guy coming out of nowhere took on the guy that was pulled in you know before free agency chaos and then his second match he hadn't played in, in five months he sat for longer than I think anyone else this season and then he had to turn around real quick and play the spider like I I don't think anyone has had it quite the same as Jesse as far as the challenge of the way his matches have gone and I've never been prouder of someone not letting that slow him down or stop him. He's as obsessed with this as Bibbs. He loves this smart as much as Christian. Like, the dude is is the Schmodown. So the fact that people can see that now, they can see the guy I drafted with this most recent match, they can see the person I saw from the beginning. I want Jesse to know that he did the Quirky Mercs proud, he's done himself proud, and that he's done the Schmodown proud. With not just his skill, but his growth as a player. I'm so proud of the dude. Absolutely. I mean, there's no reason to not be. I thought Frank was going to have a follow up to that. I'm sorry. I was so ready for his volley. I thought, I thought he had a follow up. I just want to start in another run of words. I'm like, I'm awake. I'm awake. I'm awake. Because I can go. I mean, you guys know. Oh, yeah. well, trust we'll get me. To the we, next we know. Drew Hill's here. Um, but I, I do think that what we're going to see next year is the difference in how some of these people do without managers, how yeah. um, the, the league shifts with, you know, I think the points make sense. You were saying how. The, the championships need to be more points. Tournament matches should be more points. What is the magic of Shazam is they've earned those points counting up so much. They've, they've gotten to the point where they're only playing beasts, pun intended. Yeah. They're only playing people that they have to go perfect against. So that shouldn't be a two-point throwaway. It should be, you know, the, the seven or eight with defense. And I've seen some people say it's too much. I'm like, I totally disagree. Dimalanta had to unthrone someone who had never been wiggled, much less toppled. Uh, yeah. And then he had to defend it within a month. So it was not even an opportunity for him to have any warm-up matches in between. And that was his first match of the year. So that was a, a worthy seven and then a more than worthy eight. And the competition level at that level, that shouldn't be a three or a four. So I, right. I, I think it's really fair. And I think that it allows me to have players that are at this level that I can spend this kind of time on. And players that are at this level that I can spend this kind of time on and have this number one spot, but not have anyone that feels like they're on our second rate. We don't have a B squad. We don't have a JV. Everyone goes, I fight for everyone equally. I fight for everyone to get matches. And because of my team players that have got the legacy, I can have a little bit more wiggle for the TKOs that happen when you're learning how to play this game at that caliber. 
Yeah, I think that's that's the interesting thing about your squad is that you do have the most knockouts, but at the same time, you also have the most title match victories and defenses. Oh. Exactly, and and you you I think there's like probably only one way to to do what you're doing, and you're doing it to be successful and that's really interesting because you do have a great core with when you bring back Bibbs and, and Brendan um you know in the fold and then obviously you draft Josh Horowitz I, I gotta ask you about Josh Horowitz man because this dude is really impressive you really don't know how someone uh, can adjust you know their their knowledge of the industry into knowledge uh, of into gameplay and then also on top of that learning how to play the game it looks like uh, Josh Horowitz has really become a student of the game. Can you talk to us about what's been like to see him uh, adjust to this game and learn it as well as implement his knowledge in the in, in matches along with playing with Perry. So what's what's that been like to work with him for So for I season? thought my my draft last year was stressful. Uh you guys were there. I was definitely like run I you saw me. I was running around to every seat in that room after I drafted <laughs> someone. I was talking to them and I was seeing who they wanted to play with. I really wanted to make a family out of the Mercs. And I carried that through to this year but with a more uh, I need to have this type of player, this type of player, and then I want that middle to be people that I want to work with. There is no one on the Mercs that I don't want to answer a phone call for. There's no one on the Mercs that I don't want to deal with at 1 a.m. if I need to. There's no one on the Mercs that I can talk to after a win or a loss that I can't be honest with. And that's the most important thing. If you lose, I'm not going to like ghost your phone calls. But if you win, I want to be able to tell you a couple things you might have done wrong. I need it to be an actual open communication chamber. And that's actually one of the, one of the most interesting things with Kevin is Kevin and I are like closer friends because when he does something wrong, I can tell him. And there's yeah. not a lot of places in your career where like one of your heroes is like, what did I do? And yeah. that's a really unique thing. So yeah. with Josh, after having worked with Kevin last year, I saw Josh uh, early on get added to the roster. And I was like, I, I want him like fourth. Like, I wanted him right after I kept my three, and I was like, no, I need Star Wars. Yeah. Last year, I learned that lesson. I need Inner Geekdom, especially the name like the Quirky Mercs, but I don't want to go for one of these people that's going to be trickier to deal with. I don't want – I can't have all people that want to be on the phone every day, like studying and training. I'm going to need some people that are new, but I wasn't in the position to do it like Finstock's doing with all rookies. Sure, so sure. my number one rookie from the jump was Horowitz because he's no disrespect to everyone else in my field. He's the only journalist I watch but me. Uh, there's <laughs> no one else that I follow the work of. Like, I, I, when you're in the field, you don't want to watch someone else doing your interviews because it's weird to be like, I don't want to take their style, but I also, yes. like, it's yeah. boring to hear the actors say the same answers or, like, in accordance. Like, yeah. it's just, there's a redundancy inherent. Right, right. Whereas Josh, he's so smart, creative, and driven that I feel inspired versus, like, why didn't I get this interview? What are they doing? And so often I feel that way because I'm a dick. But, like, I often am like, <laughs> I should be there. What is this choice? But with Josh, I never do. And he's always got these left turns that show his knowledge. So I thought from my experience of his work, he would translate really well because he pulls some crazy yeah. references all the time. And then that's exactly what he's done. So it was just a matter of showing him the game. And he was all gung-ho from the beginning. So I was like, oh, this is a really hands-off. Once I've shown you this, we can just train the two weeks leading up to. It's not me holding your hand the whole way. And then with teams, he knew Perry from the same circuit of, of work we all do. And it was a matter of like showing them that they're the opposite kind of player and how that's their strength. Last year, Haley and Perry, they have uh, very similar gaming styles and they yeah. share horror. Everything else was really separate. This year, what I wanted to do with Perry was have the opposite style of gameplay and only one Venn diagram of knowledge, which is, you know, your, your present day, the new release category, but even broader than that. Right, right, so I right. wanted... Josh plays like a sniper, which is what I, what I crossed my fingers for, like when I drafted him. And Perry is Rocky. So I wanted to have someone that's going to give Perry the confidence that she can wake up and then go at him. And then I wanted Josh to feel more comfortable in the second and third round because I didn't know how he's going to play. And now, of course, rookie of the year. Right, right. I and mean, you know yeah. I want to go some might some say uninteresting <laughs> and boring, but I don't <laughs> know who would say that. Would, I don't know. But they'd be wrong. Uh, but yeah, so it was very calculated, and I'm not usually yeah. that calculated, but I like the guy plus the Perry balance. I want right, that right. Um, I want to go back to something you said a little bit ago. We're talking about Kevin Smith, how you can you're closer friends because you can kind of say, hey, you know, you did this, you know, we can do this better. Um, let's talk about the elephant in the room, Coy. Kate Blanchett. You want to talk Scre about Kate? Scary movie three. Talk about Kate. The Kate. <laughs> the Kate. Um, you know, what was the conversation like 
after the match, after you know we're done shooting the match, what's what's what what's that conversation like uh, post match? Well, we'll start chronologically. I do want to defend Kate. Um, yeah. The thought there was this is going to be a Demolanta esque match, and I wanted any points we could get. I short sightedly, admittedly, didn't think there'd be an opportunity for a second challenge because of my history with Kevin. The way he plays, we hadn't gone to the third round in two matches. I knew we'd go to the third round of Marisol. It wasn't a matter of ego. It was a matter of I didn't know if we'd get another opportunity for a challenge. So if I could get this answer, which I stand by, I'm not arguing that it was incorrect to do. I completely, I'm not, I'm not that guy. But I do stand by the potential for the benefit of the doubt of the spelling of Kate, them knowing each other. It was just on the right side of the margin of error that I was like, if I don't use this challenge, and we lose at the end by this and keep our challenge, that would have kept me up longer as a manager. If I'd left the match with a challenge and it was a matter of one or two points, that would have haunted me more than using a challenge that there's just a maybe, maybe, maybe use for uh, in, that, in that moment. So then when we got to the end, I would argue that that challenge wouldn't have been able to be used in that moment anyway. I would argue yeah. that he'd already called it what am I going to do? Say, no, no, he knew it, which is kind of how it had to go down anyway. I wouldn't have been able to prove he was going to say three with the challenge or not. I maintain I didn't waste the challenge. It's a very silly on paper challenge, but the thought process was we're playing our best ever player. We're playing one of the best to ever do it. If we're off by one point and I don't do this, I feel like I failed Kevin. So I stand by the Kate decision only because of who we were playing and because Kevin hadn't gone to round three in a long time. So I, I fully believe Kevin could take her out. I still do. I think in a rematch, Kevin can absolutely take on Marisol. He proved that. So I stand by the challenge for that reason because it would have been putting her to the five. If she misses, sudden death could have gone either way. That's how well he played. Now, the actual Scary Movie 3 thing, Kevin historically plays up the game. Kevin yeah. goes on rants. Kevin says all sorts of errant madness because he's enjoying the playfulness of not being on set on the 12 hour day, dealing with extras complaining about crafty. Like Kevin enjoys this because it's all of his knowledge, but competitively. So I know he was playing around with it because he was literally filming with George Carlin on the movie before scary movie three. He read the script with Carlin. He knows that movie. They're best friends. That'd be like someone asking me like what one of my friends was doing a year ago. I would have that like right here. So I knew he knew it. As soon as they said Carlin, I was like, this isn't a five-pointer for Kevin. It'd be for anyone else. So I, with all confidence, was like, my dude's got this because it's Carlin. And especially his last movie that's so personal. There's so much investment there. So there's no doubt in my mind that Kevin knew that. I understand every naysayer. I understand every message board, keyboard cowboy. I get why you think that. I truly believe that you believe he didn't know it because of the pause, because of the inflection. But that was a shorter pause and inflection than Kalinowski later that day. And it was a guy that, like, Mike doesn't know anyone back to the future, too. Like, my guy, yeah. it's I, I stand by that. Again, I'm not disputing the outcome, and I'm not disputing the challenge. I am saying I stand by my decisions with Kevin. You know, it's interesting when you bring up the mic, because I just rewatched that moment as well, and I was comparing it to, to Kevin's moment. And I think had this match with Kevin and Marisol been in studio, maybe he gets, you know, that... Because you feel it in the moment, like it's. Right. And I think it's hard to translate over. Zoom feel, yeah. <laughs> Zoom feel, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, potentially, but I, but I, I will have. To, I have to say, from what I saw on screen, I go. He ended his answer at at scary movie, and you know, it's that's what I saw. But you, and you see it differently, and I understand. I like. I understand your reasoning. And, and I can't and, remove and, my. I can. I can yeah. objectively say, okay, I see where they get scary movie, but I can't remove my knowledge of George Carlin with Kevin to make me sure. feel like there's anything but him. And and also I get where Kevin's coming from with being upset. He, like the heaven can wait thing is real. Uh, so we did have a conversation. Um, we, you know, Kevin's not done and we've yeah. got, we've got ideas and Kevin wants it now in a different way. Uh, Kevin mm. always wanted to go up against Dan. Kevin legitimately wants the belt, but now it's a different animal. And uh, I think we're going to see a very different Kevin when, uh, when, when clerks three is done. Oh, Interesting, okay. because because what what was born out of this situation was kind of this this now this this feud with the uh, the chairman. There's which, a very specific person that caused it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm a is. fan of this human being. I'm a fan yeah. of both parties, but a person hindered me from leaving that with 20 points. Uh, yeah. You know, sorry. Yeah. I mean, it would it would have been like what was that? Five plus seven plus eight. 
four that's plus 15, four plus yeah. seven plus eight. Yeah, yeah. So it would have been a very different uh, altogether standing. And one, I also, I, I get where he's yeah, coming yeah. from, and I get where everyone on the internet's coming from. I just know my guy knew it. Well, first of all, I never get where anyone on the internet is coming from. So that is something that you and I don't share. I read too much internet. <laughs> uh, I do have a question about Kevin Smith that wasn't related to the match. Just you have a, a relationship with him. And I recently, uh, I talked about it on the show a few weeks ago, I recently did the whole filmography. I'd never seen them all. So I did the whole Kevin Smith filmography. And I, I want to ask you what your favorite Kevin Smith film is. But before you answer, I just wanted to, can I take a guess? Please. Okay, so I, I'm looking at you. I'm trying to figure it out. Obviously, Clerks is like very high up on everybody's list, but I feel like it'd be too obvious of a choice for you. I feel like that'd be like the safe answer that everyone would take. So now I'm kind of exploring it in. I don't think it's his back catalog, although it's good. You're somebody who's bread and butter, 1990s. This is what I'm feeling, okay? This is what I'm feeling. I don't think you're a Clerks 2 guy either. So now I've got it down to two. Based on your comic book shopping show i'm thinking okay let's go in the oeuvre of comic books now where does that place us that places us really with two movies that come to mind one has a stan lee cameo called mall rats the other one about comic book creators okay so i'm at chasing amy or i'm at mall rats i'm not exactly sure which one it is i do think that you being a lover of film might appreciate the performances a little bit more in a serious film like chasing amy ben affleck at his best i'm not really sure how Ever. The hilarity of mall rats is it's 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 really tearing me in two here. I'm gonna take a guess. I'm gonna go chasing Amy, but I'm not sure. You know what's fun? You know what's fun? My favorite movie of his isn't what I think is his best movie. So I think you're right. Because I Boom, think his look best at that. movie I think his best <laughs> movie is chasing Amy. My favorite is Mall Rats. Favorite yeah. eye, I got it down to two. Yeah, so, got so it down to in two. In fairness, when I watch them objectively, Chasing Amy, I think, is a masterwork. And I think Mallrats was, he made a very longer, very different cut of Mallrats and then had to re-edit it. Not Snyder Cut-esque, but longer, different. Uh, and yeah. I love Mallrats because I literally based my childhood off Brody Bruce. Uh, mm. I used to say, waste not, want not, and carry around a little cup like a douchebag. Oh, wow. I literally like wore, <laughs> I wore his clothes, dude. Like I was obsessed with Brody Bruce because that came out when I was seven. That was the first movie that showed me people that weren't not my friends talked about comic books. Because think about it. Yeah. In 95, all we had was the 70s Superman. Uh, we had some really cheesy made-for-TV movies. None of it was present day. So Mallrats was like, oh, people talk like this that aren't my friends. So Mallrats was like everything. And then Brody was the coolest guy. It takes you till you're like 15 to realize he's kind of a douchebag. So <laughs> it was really an interesting period of like that. And then Chasing Annie came out and I was a little too young for it. So yeah. Chasing Amy was immediately after. I didn't understand the nuance of relationships. I didn't understand that. So to me, it was like, I think I'll like this more when I'm older. And then I did. But Mallrats has that place in my heart because it's exactly me. And it was actually the first time I met Kevin, I told him all of my Brody Bruce things. I was very forthcoming. Uh, and I was basically <laughs> like, hey, man, I based so much of my childhood on Brody Bruce. Between that and the evenings with Kevin Smith, that's what inspired me to talk about comics for a living. And he said the nicest thing. He put his hand on my shoulder and he was like, dude, you're so much nicer and cooler than Brody Bruce. <laughs> like, like, it literally was, imagine your childhood having a button on it where it's like everything yeah. you learned about the character in the negative, you're not that. You have the cool stuff. Good work. Like, Kevin's been, also the second time I met Kevin, um, Bru uh, Ben was already Batman. And I, I work out and I wear very fitted superhero tees. And uh, he'd been noticing my t-shirt. And then at the end we talked, and he didn't remember me from the first meeting, but we talked after. And he's like, Dude, I would have thought you just liked the t-shirt. You look like Ben after he found out he was Batman. So, like, <laughs> he gave me this, like, small nerd compliment, and I was like, I'm going to be best friends with Kevin Smith, and now we're homies. It's pretty cool. Look at that. That's pretty cool. I, You know, he and I share a favorite movie of Fletch. Fletch is one of my favorite oh, movies of all time. And Fletch Lives, man. Both are incredible. I like Fletch Lives. I do. I like Fletch Lives. You know, it takes place in the South, Louisiana, so it's, like, not far away from me. I love Fletch. I got to – I one day I know I'll talk to Kevin Smith. I got to ask him about Fletch. But let's get back to the Schmodown. If he'd beat uh, Marisol, maybe in New York. Who knows? Maybe. God dang it, Marisol. <laughs> I, by the way, also, if we're going to lose, I'm honored. It's to the most, like, holy crap, what a force of nature. Like, perfect handwriting, perfect knowledge, perfect skin, perfect voice, Marisol. Like, she's just great. Like, I didn't, I didn't meet Marisol to that match. And I was like, oh, you're not, like, edited together awesome. You're just the coolest. Because <laughs> yeah. some she's, people you meet and, like, like they're not the way they read live as they are in their, like, promos. Totally. And she's just the, like, her voice is so chill, but she's so energetic. You're like, can I be more like you instead of like me? 
I know. She's is cool. it is it weird that I want her voice? Like I wish my voice sounded like her voice. Exactly. I was trying to think of a way to say it less creepy, but yeah. I'm like, well, how can I? <laughs> I couldn't find the word. There's no other way. <laughs> I couldn't find it. <laughs> okay, but talk to me about all the emotions of the gambit of going through that collision, especially when we look at the teams match. I mean, they were on they were on y'all's behind, right? They were there. So that match was so crazy. I mean, literally three matches out of four, it was a yeah. crazy tape for the Mercs. And I, I was, you know, live events, digital events, all the chaos. And my guys hadn't played live in over a year. And they had the last time was like, you know, January in New York was against each other. Right. Um, so it was quite the, oh, we've got to come change some things, do this in person. So managing live, I prefer so much. I swear a lot. And arguably, like, 20% of my bandwidth in digital matches is stop saying, and, like, a, a recurring. <laughs> so I felt like I was, like, more, I was like, a, when Piccolo takes off his weighted brand and they drop, and you're like, yeah, I'll power Because <laughs> I wasn't focused on the weight of not swearing. Uh, so I felt very empowered. Free coy. Yeah. Let me be me in Boston. <laughs> also, Boston Schmodown. You let me in that Ooh. arena. I'm oh, gonna, Lord. You're not even ready. Just oh, all mercs. Anyway, um... The, the setup for the live was just making sure that we could adjust to that format. And they were as incredible as Corruption is. Uh, even when we had that substantial lead, we knew that chance on that buzzer was going to be insane. Like, we, we didn't yeah. think it would be as dominant. We thought it'd yeah, be like, sure. you know, very dominant, not holy crap, <laughs> we got one. Um, but at the same time, we were prepared for that eventuality. And we kind of thought sudden death. Now, we didn't think 51-50 shirts we didn't right. think we were gonna have another 101 championship point like the statistics of that you guys are numbers yeah. three of our matches getting 101 points this season is insane that's insane I didn't, yeah you can't even calculate that, that three weird. of them yeah. of five what so the fact that all that happened just kind of is the surreal element but we trained harder for the live match than i think we've done for anything else because it was you know a new arena corruption has their vendetta um, I feel like, you know, Shannon's very, very personal. So in person, that's like another element. Yeah. Uh, Kalinowski is taking things more and more personally. So we didn't want him to have like that be a negative or a positive. Like I like Mike. I didn't want us to demolish him and him feel like he's bad at the game because he's not. But I also didn't want him to be like, this is the most personal thing that's ever happened. And like, you know, win because I want us to win. Right. So uh, it went exactly like we trained for. And uh, I, I, you know, no one could have predicted everyone getting one thing wrong in sudden death and then one getting right. Like it I was know. a movie. It was, it was like someone wrote the end of a Disney movie. Like this was our remember the Titans. Um, now <laughs> yeah. that being said, I'm ready for the next team's match for it to go down to the same wire. I think we're going to defend this. I want to be 15 and two by the end of the year. Dead serious. I want to be a 15 and two team. Uh, I'm very dead set on how's training per match differently. Um, but just with teams match, it was the most we've trained. And I've, I've never been more proud of Brendan and the, or, or Bibbs because they knew the expectations. They knew the stakes here, and they never faltered. They're such champions. It, it was it was an incredible it was an incredible sight to see um, in that match. And look, just real quick, I mean, looking down the the, the trail a little bit uh, further, I mean, you have several teams that are you know chomping at the bit to get a championship opportunity. Um, all all killer no filler, as they say in the radio world. Um, is there a particular team that you uh, kind of like, hmm, man, you know, that that's going to be a battle. I mean, I, probably all of them, but is there any, one particular? Anyone that's on the docket, you know, yeah. I, I'm happy to face. Um, but I've been really, really impressed with Irwin this season. Yeah. So uh, maybe, I want Shazam to keep beating the best because I'm so sick of the conversation. I'm so sick of the, like, they're almost Rushmore. Or, like, they're almost dope. Like, I, give me – the Patriots, give me the Shire Wolves, <laughs> resurrect them, do a digital thing like in Creed where they have the Rocky at his prime fighting. Like, give me that because we will take them on and we will prove we are the GOAT. I'm from Boston. They're the Brady of the Schmodown. I want to prove it. Oof. So I'm saying I'm saying lightning time because it would be Irwin and Liz, two insane players yeah. that hopefully we can just finally get people to stop thinking we're anything but the best. And that's with all respect to Shire Wolves and Patriots. Like, there's a reason it's a competition. There's a reason it's an argument. It's just since they're not playing right now, it makes my job of proving it so impossible that I want to play, like, three people in this crazy Rochambeau. Like, bring everyone up. I like that, that your mentality is I want to I want to prove to everyone that they, they like, I want to put a stop to this conversation that there is no conversation. We are the GO team. And, but then we'll talk to Brendan and Bibbs, and you're like – 
we're just glad to be in the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> we're just glad to be mentioned with those teams. But Koi, you're out there, and you're right. You do fight for your players, and right right now, you're you're fighting for them right now. And I got to say, I, I I personally believe they are the greatest team of all time at. at right now after this match, after this defense. And, yes, there are other people out there who will say it's the Patriots or it's corruption even or it's the Shirewolves. And so it's it's uh, going to be an everlasting debate, but a fun one at that. And the more and more Shazam wins, the more and more you guys win, it makes it even more and more an interesting conversation because eventually, if you do get to 15 wins, Koi, I don't. I don't know what. Uh, I don't know what else Christian's gonna want from you guys. <laughs> and I don't that's the thing. Like, if we can play the. You've only lost two matches. Mind. You've only lost two matches, Shazam, and and it seemingly seems like people want them to be twelve and one or thirteen and zero. Just, because, but it's it like just can't because now we're now yeah. we're where we what are. Else? We've got those two losses, which were not like not the losses weren't big losses, but many of our wins have been big wins. And we've got the percentages sure. on our side, and we've got the OT on our side. Like we're also playing a different caliber of player now. I yeah. love. I think if Shazam wasn't in the conversation, it'd be Shirewolves, a few feet of dirt, and then the rest. Like I love the Shirewolves, but yeah. when they were playing, and when the Patriots were playing, it was a different level of competition. So for me, it's not even a conversation after this win. And I love Bibbs and the kid, and I respect their humbleness. But your boy ain't humble. They're the best <laughs> team of all time. And DeMolanta is the best Star Wars player of all time. I think he's proven, especially after this match, which was nothing like the Damon match. So I, I got my guys, and, I, and it's good that they're humble because if they were as cocky as me, we'd all be asshole. <laughs> and, and you know what? I mean, I'm not saying – I mean, obviously they're in the conversation for the GOAT, but it does – I think – I guess the hardest thing is you know, they're always going to be chasing the ghost of Shire Wolves and the Patriots, and they can't play them. So it's, it's kind of the thing. And you said that the – competition is much more fierce today which i don't think anyone would disagree with but you know with any sport or with any competition as it progresses it advances the players advance the strategies advances that's just kind of a normal part of progression so it's hard to go back and say well you know babe ruth really wasn't that good he only hit 714 <laughs> yeah, right. but the game was easier i mean the guys were out of shape you know oh and you if know it was just the same score to score that would be the argument because like it's it's not that but i think right. after a certain number of defenses it has that has to come into the conversation after, i'm not yeah, saying it's the final I agree. but i'm saying it's a part of the conversation i agree i agree i think a certain number of defenses get you there i think it seals the deal i think it seals the deal for you um but i do have a feeling what that mean, there there's I mean, going to be the jordan lebron conversation yeah, of I mean, like what does many, lebron have to do you know how many rings jordan? does bill russell have right like but no 40. one talked about him as the greatest player of all time mike's only got because he rings. was playing guys that look like the three of us that's what i'm saying like <laughs> the patriots are the bill russell of the schmodown I, I think so. Also, and this yes. is with whatever respect I can have while just directly saying something negative, there <laughs> should be something said about sportsmanship. And mm. like, I, well, I, I think that's a fine, I think that's a fine line because the Schmodown is a show. And yeah. so no, you're no, going to no, have that's, these that's elements. Totally true. But like it's... when we played a certain member of the Patriots, that being one of our losses did not go in a very sports way. So like that element of in game, I, I just, I have a personal uh, okay. You know, I'm from Boston, so I want to root for the Patriots more. But one half the Patriots, I got some. So uh, as far as that goes, I think we take them out. Sure. Yeah, but sure. Tom Brady's the goat, right? I mean, I mean the goat. The, the no goat. One, I'm, no I'm sorry, Shazam. That. The I goat. I to say, but yeah, yeah. You know. Nobody disagrees with that. Nobody disagrees True. with that. Let's talk, about, let's talk about the matches, though, that we saw um, involving your players this week. Uh, one of them, the aforementioned William the Beast Bibiani. We talked about Swift a little bit. But I've talked, you know, Robert Parker. I mean, when you see that you know, on the docket, obviously you're like, okay, okay. You know, this is going to be a game. This yeah. is going to be a match. Um, what did you do in preparation to get your player ready for Robert Parker? So we really looked at his last match, which was not that long before. And uh, he, and, and, and it, you know, in game, it always sounds like a line, but we literally got everything we didn't want in that second to last match. Like we got plan to the apes. The only thing we we're about on the wheel, we got questions that were like, Oh, just that one weakness. So, we really just kept training as we would have because they were the next things we wanted to work on anyway. We just upped the stakes on those things. So we, Jesse and I looked at things that went wrong, win or learn, and we looked at the categories we hadn't yet gotten to crushing, which unfortunately hurt us you know, very recently. Uh, but we just honed in on that, and then I just made sure Jesse was happy to play. Like I just want yeah. Jesse to enjoy this as much as – I want the Jesse Swift that made those promos before the draft to be the guy that comes in the ring. Uh, that's yeah. all I care about. So it was getting him out of his head and making sure Jesse, that madman, 
that came into the free-for-all dressed like an 80s wrestler is the guy that's playing Parker. That's what matters to me because it's my job to make sure that the people that are putting their lives on the internet for people to scrutinize, the people that are putting their, their hard-earned knowledge to the test against people publicly, and people that are literally dealing with criticism about stuff that the people that are critiquing them don't know beep about, that's a lot. So as long as they're enjoying themselves on the day, I've done my job. I just hate that they have to then deal with the ramifications of it. So I want that hour to be good. That's what I try to do. Anyway, when I was watching Jesse play, and you know, you would know better than I would, but just watching from from my from where I'm sitting, it looked like Jesse perhaps in the past was always fighting or, or was always double guessing himself and then find himself you know with the wrong answer. This match it seemed like it it almost seemed like he was fighting a second like second guessing himself and like forced himself to go with his gut instinct, and it felt like in a couple of situations that it looked like that. Is there anything to that in terms of his training and getting better at the game? 100%. You remember the, the, the one match ago? I was like a bad cop. I was, I was a lot more harsh at Jesse than I usually am. I was a lot more like, no, no. <laughs> and I had to bop his nose a little bit. So, like, I think after the match, the nose bopping continued, but enough that I wanted him to have fun coming back. And I think that really helped reinforce him enjoying it, not second-guessing himself, because he knew I believed in him. And I think that, like, that's a really important uh, coach-player relationship, is, like, I fully believed he could have beat any of these people if things had gone another way, and I stand by that. He almost, like, he pushed Parker farther than anyone would have expected, except maybe me or him. And that's because he wasn't second-guessing himself. I think year two, he's going to be a different player. I think after this yeah. match, if he had another match soon, a different guy. But I'm much happier playing with him learning than him not enjoying it and crushing yeah. it. Like, if he was 3-0 and and I was dealing with someone like we were just talking about, I'd rather have this guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what he looks like next season because – you know, he kind of had a rough go over the first two matches. You know, he was one and one first two, and obviously, you know, he suffers a tough loss here in the tournament. But he argu- arguably plays his best match, and I think, given the way his season was going, if if it's going to end the way that it with the loss here, at least it feels like he has some a, a real uh, strong place to, to continue from as yeah. opposed to those other matches. Oh, so I am excited to sure. see. What, what he can do next year because um, everything I hear, exactly what you're saying about him, he's very passionate and, and very much wants this. Um, you know, it was it was a win, but it was a loss, but it was a, you know, it was a win and a loss. And one of those, co- combination of those, sure. You know um, what it is, what it is, right. what it is. I, it is what it is, what it is. Yeah. I'll take this loss over a sour win any day. And that's and yeah. that's with us being number one. And say we were only up one point this or, or tied, this took us down, I stand by that. I would rather end this season with my players happy and feeling like they did their best then them feel like they miss something and us win. Like at the end of the day, yeah. and, and you know, I, I, there's, there's a percentage of the clothing goes to the winning uh, faction, whatever. Right, like, right. I like money a lot, but I like <laughs> my players more. Yeah, yeah. And that's sure. saying a lot. That's why I drafted these 12 people. If I wanted just the money, I might've drafted a different like eight out of 12, but I want the people more because it's a year of my life. I'm never going to have my 32nd year again. I'm turning 33 next month. I will never have my 32nd year again. If I waste a moment of that with someone I don't want to deal with, I've failed. And I'm, I refuse to do that. Every minute counts. We're all dying really quickly. Well, that was a little grim. Um. <laughs> Why stay so fearing death? Right. Okay. Yeah, I hear you. Um, so let's go um, over to the beast. Right? I mean, you pull the card against Jacob Blunden, and after the free-for-all – and even his uh, first match this year, man, was is Jacob London impressive. That's that's a guy who that's going to be a scrap. You already know it's going to be a scrap, and it was. It obviously was. Uh, I believe Frank. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Going into the final round, I think Bibbs was up by two. Is that right? He was up uh, fifteen thirteen. Yeah, by two. Okay. As a manager, when you have someone the caliber of Bibiani, but also somebody on the rise like a Jacob London who's having a moment, momentum on his side, right? Bibbs juggling multiple divisions, defending championships, all those sorts, okay? And you're going into the third round. Your guy has a lead by two. We see what you say on camera, but, like, what's going on in your mind? Are you thinking, okay, how am I going to calm Bibbs down? How am I going to amp him up? What is, what's kind of going through the manager, potential manager of the year's mind? As I'm looking at how he spent his last five minutes. 
For me, it doesn't matter our pre-conversation. It doesn't matter how he's playing. It doesn't matter what we talked about a year ago or uh, right before the match. None of that matters. It's where my guy is the five minutes before I get a chance to jump in there. Everything can change with one question. Confidence can erode. Confidence can skyrocket. Everything can change in five minutes. So all I'm trying to do is pace out the match, look at how my guy's doing, and then notice, okay, there's one question left. How do I engage my guy? What's my mode that my guy needs most? I don't matter at all in between the rounds. I could not, and ask half the people that want the, the managers gone. We're irrelevant, but I need to be so humble that I'm whatever piece of malleable glue that my player needs to put himself back together. Because even if you're winning, you got to put yourself back together between those rounds. You got to recalibrate, you got to recalculate. So I need to be whatever my guy needs from the last five minutes of data I have on him. So it's knowing all of my players that well. It's knowing Beth that well, it's knowing Sabrina that well, it's knowing Kevin that well, it's knowing Josh that well. And learning them is why I won't deal with people that I don't want to deal with because it's there's more work done off camera than on with anyone worth playing with. I need to know what my people are. So it's how to talk to them going into the next round. And that was huge here because Blunden is insane. And there was recent, you know, stuff with the free for all. And I'm really impressed with the guy. Like yeah. you saw my promo. I didn't want to beat him, but I had to. <laughs> like, I don't want to like take down that sweet, sweet Aussie, but I got to do it. I need the points and I got my guy. So like when I got the, the back and forth between Jesse and Bibbs, like these two players, I'm like Parker and, and, and Blunded, really? I know. <laughs> That's not, it's not a fun conversation to me to send my merch. Like, Hey guys, let's start ramping up for this round. And now we're in the tournament, so it's only going to escalate. Like, we're talking teams. I'm saying, like, I want lightning time because I want to prove to my guys. And whoever we get in the second round of the tournament, like, that's going to be insane. Perry's facing Bateman. Um, so it's just, it's, it's that. Yeah. It's how to navigate my player. And then in the live setting, how to do that in a way that they feel comfortable. Because I hadn't even met Beth till Collision. So I got I to gotta refigure out, like, what that person's, like, spatial awareness is. How, how comfortable they are with me versus how comfortable I am, they are with them how they want me to navigate managing them in a different setting. It's all really different. Uh, I'm very huggy. Some people aren't. So it's that, but emotionally. How do you do that with your player so you're not like, whoa, this guy's a lot, and then throw them off in their game? You know, you've, it's really, it's like therapy, man. It's a fine-tuned line you got to walk. So they, they've got to trust themselves. You just got to be that push they trust themselves. Yeah, I, well, I think that you gave a much better answer than I expected with my question. My <laughs> question wasn't great, and your answer like surpassed. Uh, <laughs> I want that Modi. Thank you. So you want it? Yeah, and, and you know what, man? I think that right now, um, you have to be the odds-on favorite. I don't know what yeah, betting I don't know odds how are. Anyone else can have it? I mean, you have the most yeah. title wins. You're at the top of the rankings. Um, 5150s all around, you know, 101 <laughs> I mean, points. I mean, hard. it's just, and you're winning those matches on top of that. You're not just in them, you're winning them. Um, so and I, mean, I think a lot that, to be set e for that even if you don't finish in first place, which, you know, I'm not saying that you won't, but I'm saying even if you don't at this point, I still think <laughs> there's a strong, unless you're dead last, which I don't, is, I don't think is mathematically possible. I don't even, no, there's no way in hell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry, swag and stars. <laughs> yeah. every match. Right. Like, unless that were to happen. We're back in the 40s. <laughs> unless, unless, unless that were to happen, I, I, I foresee you being the manager of the year. Um, and honestly, it's been a pleasure to watch you manage. You know, oh, yeah. it's it's really fun every time you come on the screen. I feel like you you have gone through it with your players. Y'all have a great rapport. You can tell that you've worked on that team building, and it shows. It absolutely shows. Uh, not even to somebody who talks about it every week like Frank and I do. I'm sure the layman and the casual observers can tell the amount of energy, passion, enthusiasm you put into every single match and you put into your team, which I think also is, a, is another qualifier for you to be the Modi, as you called it, the manager of the year uh frank anything final for coy jandrew before we let him go we do have we are running a little bit short on time so anything yeah. left for well, the last, man last himself thing, last thing for coy is you know tournament season you know singles tournament we don't really have a bracket out here. we kind of know your matchups but you don't know like yeah. the path the potential path you know inner geekdom tournament you know obviously you know that that has come to a close but you still have the star wars tournament whether it's gonna be andrew DiMolanta in it or eric whiteley obviously andrew DiMolanta is gonna have to face now Thomas Harper, um, dude, proving my guy's the best. I'm proving talk, my yeah. guy's the best. Yeah, talk to me about this Thomas Harper matchup because he's been in the chat here this whole time, and uh, um, he he's is a machine. It. He's a machine. Um, I mean, he's he could be like the Ivan Drago right now to to Andrew Dimitrov's Rocky. 
I would prefer it be in person to check for chords. Like I've, I've <laughs> joked about that. Like I'm dead serious. I'm yeah, not Thor yeah. Harper's a purse. Uh, I'm very impressed with this dude. I'm a fan of him. Uh, yeah. It's going to be like the Blunden thing where it's like, I'm sorry we have to beat you. Uh, I just, I love, I love Dimalanta in a way that like he and I are like, I've cried like the little Dewey, but I haven't yeah. like streamed tears except for that first Dimalanta match. Like I've felt emotion much stronger than I would have expected in, in the digital era. In person, I'm a crier. But digital, <laughs> I didn't expect to, like, yeah. the Nicholas Sparks. And then I'm right. Sparksing with Dimalanta. Like, I, I care about that guy. Uh, I care about all my players a lot. But Dimalanta's uh, emotion caught me. So, like, I, I'm not picking favorites here. I'm just saying Dimalanta's emotionality towards Star Wars is so strong and caught me in such a way. I love him and Nikki. I love that I'm friends with them outside of this now because of the Schmodown. I love that yeah. when I call them, there's like this family thing and there's a kid and there's like, I just imagine this little Padawan running around with the two craziest Star Wars fans in the world. They're like, what is that like to be their parents? I, I just, I, I love their like little uh, nuclear family that they are uh, so much that it's more personal for me emotionally, this, this Harper match because he's a machine. The dichotomy <laughs> of yeah. heightened emotion versus militaristic intensity. Um, it's going to be a different match than we've played yet. It's going to be so different from the last three. And uh, I'm as invested, if not more, because my guy, I want to prove he's the best of all time. And you do that by playing arguably the most potent rookie I've ever seen. I think yes. this is kind of like sure. we get our Shire Wolves chance. Like this is if the Shire Wolves came back and fought Shazam. This is that because this dude's insane. All respect. That's a compliment. He scares me. Harper, <laughs> you're very intense. And I respect <laughs> it and fear it, but we'll beat you. <laughs> Well, the confidence always beaming uh, from Koi Jandrew, the leader of the Quirky Marks. Koi, thank you so much for your time. This was a, a yes. fun a fun interview with you, and uh, congratulations on all your success in and outside of the movie trivia show. I'm going to go run and listen to Will Smith. Not kidding. It's happening. There you go. <laughs> do it. Get do jiggy it now. With it. Go get jiggy with it. I would do it for you. That is Koi Jandrew. Uh, take care, Koi. All right. There he is. Man, right. what up? That, you know what? That whole interview was the – Could I get a great Scott? Great Scott moment of the week. You line. know what's funny? When we before we went live, I was like, "Oh yeah, we will probably have like thirty, maybe 40. We're at the fifty-three minute mark. You know? I know we're at the end it's, of the show, just, but just, we have but but there's big stuff that, that, that there's, we have to at least talk about this before. I mean, there's kind of a championship coming up. I mean, it's kind of big. August sixth, it's a real big deal. Schmodown. singles title match. Dangerous Dan Merle taking on Ethan Irwin, defending his title for the fourth time. These two are clashing. The first time. Ethan Irwin was the victor. TKO. The second time, Dan Merle got the job done in NYC. The third time, he, uh, Dan, he being Dan, pronouns pal, won again. Sudden death. Right. right. In sudden death overtime. Now, death. now, here's the thing. First match, early in the morning in the studio. Right. Second match, late at night in New York City. Third match, digital era. This fourth match, though. Is taking place in yet a different venue, the Scum and Villainy Cantina, bro. I have no idea. Now, if we are going by the math, like the the, the numbers, which is what yeah. you like to do, yeah. I'm just saying, like one one, like look at it in a final series. You know, where it's a seven game right, series right. or whatever. Rarely, uh, aside from this gentleman's sweep that we just saw in the NBA Finals, normally if a team <laughs> Like wins two in a row, like someone wins one, and then the next team wins two. Eventually, that that first team's gonna win. You know, they're gonna stop that momentum, right? But the momentum is on the side of the greatest player to ever play this game, who's yeah. been on a run, a tear. Now, my question, Frank Janish. My question. Shoot, let's go. Let's hear it. Do it. With the loss. To lightning time. Mm. Do you think that has an impact on this match at all? Only reason I ask, could Dan Merle, the greatest of all time, doubt himself slightly? Or will he be that much more motivated to be Ethan after taking an L to him in teams? Does Ethan feel overconfidence and beaming when he walks into that title match in the Scum and Villainy Cantina? Or... Is he going to be overconfident, overplay his hand, and not take the goat as seriously as he needs to be taken? I don't know, Frank. 
This is a real, real tough matchup for both of these guys going up against each other. I mean, sure, Dan leads the series two games to one. Uh, Ethan has a three-round TKO win over Dan, but then Dan has what you would what you would say is the bigger wins in title matches, right? He took yes. the belt off of Ethan, and then he found Ethan again later down uh, last season, sudden death, and was still able to hang on to it. Ethan has never been able to take the belt or keep the belt away from Dan in either scenario, right? I will say, if you watch the Collision pre-show, and we did a little stat segment there, I would say tune in tomorrow evening for another mm. championship mm. stat segment. It might, mm. be, it might become a thing. Um, mm. There's a lot of there's some good nuggets in there that uh, uh, I'm not going to drop here because I want you nuggets. To watch you say? Segment. Are they of the chicken or gold variety? They're of the Wendy's variety. Spicy. Spicy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but you know with that said you know because I, I was looking at the numbers for for that segment that you you're gonna be able to watch tomorrow and I was like oh my god oh my god like I can't believe through three matches what their numbers look like against each other as well as their career numbers overall it's pretty staggering and you know could if Dan wins tomorrow yeah. he's up three games of one. It's pretty much done. I don't. I don't need to see them play play each other. They never need to play again for at least for a very long time. A very long time. I think you know, but paths title paths dictate that sort of thing from time sure. to time, right? So, but with that said, my preference would for a while be not to see that again. However, mm-hmm. if Ethan wins here, mm-hmm. oh man, we we are probably possibly looking at the greatest r- current rivalry. In today's game, yes. I mean, if Ethan is able to do it, you know, that, that makes thing, that makes their story way more interesting. So, I mean, it depends how you want to root for it. Do you want to see the greatest of all time continue to be the greatest of all time, or do you want to see him go through a little more adversity and and see Ethan kind of you know make his mark in in his own way? Either way, we're going to get one phenomenal match. Buzzer rounds are back. It's in person at the cantina. It's the first uh, cantina match that the community is going to be able to the fan the fan base is going to be able to watch. Which I I don't know if they've dubbed this officially over at Showdown Skybound. Uh, I I think we should be calling it the Cantina Series. We got like eight matches taping mm. at the cantina. Let's call it the cantina the Cantina Series. And then like two months later, we put it in a box set, you know, and we sell box it. Set it. <laughs> Schmodown Cantina series once the a year, Cantina you know, whatever. Blah, blah, blah. Just a little, you know. Oh, and uh, oh, oh, you know what? Koi's still look at him. He's like, oh, oh, and, and nod your head. You know what? Yeah, that's Men in Black. Yeah, that's all I got. That's all I got for you, Brad. That's good. Um, man, this match. I don't know, man. To me, like when Hogan lost the title. To Andre, technically. When then Hogan got it back. And then he lost it to the Sergeant Slaughter. Then he got it back. He lost it to the Ultimate Warrior. He got it back. And he lost it to the Undertaker. And immediately got it back. Something to me is sweet about the comeback. About fighting back. Right? Mm hmm. Dan's never lost live. Is that true? Is this yeah. considered a live event? Is this considered a live event? I mean, it's it's not a live. It's one. live-ish. It's not. Live. I, don't, I don't. I don't consider this. It's, a not, live it's event. not a proper, but it's a live-ish. This one. Well, know. so is a live-ish is a studio match. There's a live studio. Yeah, audience. I guess that's true. Yeah, but yeah, that's true. Yeah, so I don't. This isn't live. So I, I throw okay. that metric out. Fair enough. I hate to do this because I love Dan Murray. I'm going either or. What's wrong with you? Who you got? The dude, Dan is never not defended after winning the belt. You understand this, correct? Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Anyway, Frank, I don't feel good about it. You know what I mean? I feel like I just... Have you ever been to Pluckers? Do they have Pluckers where you live? No. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Oh. They have these... Everyone go Google it. They have these huge mozzarella sticks. Like, they're massive, right? And when you eat them... You feel the same way I just felt kicking against Dan Merle. (laughs) 
Frank, why other people know where they can find you and follow you? You can find me on Twitter.com backslash FrankieJ29 and Instagram.com backslash FrankieJ29. You can find me on all social media at Brad Gilmore. And you can catch me here next week. For Will Frank we? Janish, I'm the boat Brad Gilmore. Thank you, Coy Jandrew. Yes. We'll see y'all later. 